Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We actually have a new movie, like a new one. It's a new one. It's kind of crazy. We didn't see it in theaters, though. Some people are, but we didn't. Yes, unfortunately, the theater in our local vicinity has been closed, so... For about two years now, I believe. <laughs> Wait, how long has this been going on? What was that before or after the riots? I Jeez, who knows? Let's see. What year is it? Okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I think even if our theaters were open, there'd pretty probably be a slim chance this would come. Although we have the uh, the Main Street theater that sometimes gets like more of the independent movies. You know, I feel like there would probably be a huge like community event for this film there. Yeah. If it was open and operating. Yeah, people were touching each other and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the movie Before the Fire. This is probably a movie we wouldn't have done on this show, except that uh, we found out it was filmed uh, almost entirely except for a few parts in... The area of Mitchell and Delmont, South Dakota. So we thought, well, we should check this movie out. It was filmed in our neck of the woods. Or That's cl- cl- right. Close enough to our neck. Maybe it was, it was filmed in our stomach of the woods. It was East River, anyway. <laughs> and we're East River, South Dakota. So, close enough. Well, I mean, I live here, but, you know, I don't, I'm not, like, repping this side of the That's state. That's true. I, I, I rep this side of the state. I don't, uh, if I go to like Wisconsin or New York, I'm not like, yo, I'm from West River. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm originally from the Rapid City area. Yeah. And then they look at me like, what's the Rapid City area? And then area? you just go, I'm from Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to say you're from the monument. Yeah. It, you know, it's, so does that mean I have to say I'm from Corn Palace? <laughs> right, right. I'm from Corn Palace. <laughs> I um, live up in, uh, I live up in the uh, the fourth year from the right and straight on till morning. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, before the fire, uh, this movie obviously had to have been filmed before the world hit the fan, right? Oh, you know, I don't know. But so it's... much of this movie is very <laughs> eerily similar to how things are going now. They're taking temperatures before you're getting on planes. There's people setting your groceries outside wearing masks. Yeah, there's uh the postal service was having issues. <laughs> uh there's kind of hints and clues that uh, the world is not doing too good. Uh I think at one point early part in the movie they suggest people just evacuate LA. <laughs> yeah, it's they it's kind of like it reminded me, I mean, in just this one capacity it reminded me of the movie Signs where it's like this global event, but you're only seeing it from the eyes of like three people, you know, which is kind of how signs is, you know, you're, you know, it's going on everywhere, but you're not really aware of what, you know, this, this is, uh, the Avengers version of this movie would be what's going on in LA and we're seeing what's going to be happening in a farm in South Dakota. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all we're led to believe is it's some sort of flu. Uh, some sort of flu pandemic is going on that's causing chaos everywhere. People are coughing blood and everybody's in a panic. And then at a certain point, not too far into the movie, there there's martial law happens. But what we're more focused on is our lead actress, who actually also wrote the movie. 
and she is a seems to be I would say a rising star. I think we're led to believe in L.A. She has a show on TV, um, where she is apparently a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, she's, it, the show's called She Wolf, <laughs> and they just show her dancing and wearing fake hair. But you're never really <laughs> you don't see her turn into a werewolf. But apparently. It's some. It looked like it was some network show where she's a werewolf. So you know, I could see a show like that happening, probably on the CW, um, or sci-fi. You know, the the popular shows on the CW uh, just boggle my mind as to how they're popular. <laughs> like I, I watched Riverdale, and I'm like, so this is this is kind of a pop culture event, huh? I guess so. <laughs> it's kind of weird because uh, ever like probably. As often as I'm reminded, just as quickly I forget that Riverdale exists. And then a movie comes out where that guy who plays Archie, AJ Capshoe, I don't know, whatever his name is. He has some weird name. They're like, oh, he's from Riverdale fame. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> just forget that's a thing. And then that one of those twins from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody is like Jughead or something. But... Anyway, this movie, we follow her um, back to her roots. Um, She gets thrown onto a plane by her boyfriend. She thinks he's coming with her. He says, you need to be safe. I have to go to Atlanta to the CDC headquarters. We don't really know what he is, do we? It seems like he just takes pictures. Uh, So he must be like, I need to document this for posterity is what I was getting. Maybe he's just a photographer for like some something. I'm a assuming. science journal, maybe. <laughs> I don't know because he seemed like he was somehow connected to some of that stuff. Well, anyway, she ends up back in uh, the Delmont, South Dakota area, and uh, you see the National Guard's kind of lingering there, you know, watching over things, and you're realizing that she's staying with her boyfriend's family, but then her family is from there. Also, you come to realize, but she doesn't want to see her family. There seems to be some sort of tension that she has between her and her parents where she actively wants to avoid seeing them. And, uh, yeah, this movie was very slow. It really took a while. You know, we've used the term, like, uh, slow burn. They're slow burn movies. And I guess that's kind of what they're going for here. But I feel like there is a fundamental difference between slow burn and just slow. You know, I think I think maybe what they were going for is you know, just letting us appreciate the kind of mundane world that these guys were in. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of what it was, was it was just like, well, yeah, things were just, I mean, she was just hanging out on a farm fencing. <laughs> and milking cows. and yeah you know butchering a cow and you know the all that all that good stuff with south dakotans get up to on the weekend yeah heck that's what i do every weekend (laughs) (laughs) but uh eventually of course uh and this is what worries me is this like is this a weird kind of like futuristic view of what we have looking forward to all all i gotta say is it was hard to it made the movie hard to almost I mean, I know when you make an independent movie, you don't want to sit on it too long because then there's the danger that you'll never get it released. But I almost wonder, like, is it good this movie got released now? Because it was almost hard to watch with how it was like it felt too like, oh, 
this almost feels like how things could go in like a dark timeline. Yeah, it's uh, there's kind of an underlayer of something going on. Uh, you find out some of the some of the guys in this town want to form. I almost said the word posse. They want to form a militia. Well, I mean, usually when guys are coming up with their militia idea in like the bar, <laughs> and they just look like a bunch of good old boys, posse works. <laughs> But, but yeah, some militia. But yeah, then uh, there's kind of a very I don't know. It seemed it was a nothing scene where like the power goes out in the farmhouse, and uh, because they have solar uh, solar panels apparently somewhere on this property, they're they're able to maintain power. Yeah, her boyfriend's brother, who uh, is still working on the farm, he's kind of he he had. I mean, she calls him a doomsday prepper. It's like borderline. He's not like a doomsday. He's just prepared for, you know, if we, it would, it's almost like what I feel like some farmers and some people in South Dakota do do when they know that they could be trapped in the wild in the winter where it's like, well, I want to make sure we have heat and I want to make sure we have food for a while. You know, it's not even doomsday around here. It's just like, what if we are trapped for two weeks from a blizzard? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they kind of had that stuff kind of going on. But yeah, it uh, after that, uh, it's kind of you kind of in a later scene realize that uh, everyone else is without power. Yeah, and seeming that we know anyway. Yeah, and that's when things kind of get upended. You find out that martial law has been declared by a guy who sounds eerily. <laughs> yeah, there was just the <laughs> vaguest like he had just like enough of a trump cadence where it's like i think maybe they were trying to make it sound like trump yeah but uh so there's that and then uh things kind of uh i don't know i don't really want to spoil this movie so i'm not i don't know what do you think steven i don't know it's tricky because i feel like the movie spoiled itself a little bit yeah uh on the cover it shows her like sporting a shotgun and she looks like she looks like she's ready to go Mad Max on some people. Yeah, um, but you kind of are realize what 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 kind of the gist of it is is like her family that she's not speaking with, her dad that seemingly must have been abusive to her physically. He seems to be kind of heading up this whole militia thing, which we're led to believe through her is going to be terrible because he's just like a relentless angry man (laughs) and uh yeah and so i guess the movie really ends up working its way to becoming kind of i guess a thriller at the end like it's you know it's kind of like tense anyway yeah there's actually a point where this movie um turns into a thriller because if there's a feeling throughout that it's going to be like a kind of like a family drama. Like you find out the mom is she's diabetic and she's running low on insulin. And her boyfriend's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Her boyfriend's mom. And then, you know, her mom, her actual mom comes to see her and the woman's a wreck and begging for money. Um, and then it's almost like a f- switch gets flipped. Uh, and this, it becomes a whole different movie, but not in a bad way. You know, there are yeah. movies that, that do do that. And it's, uh, sometimes kind of garish or just really off-putting, but 
when this film does it, I feel like they did it. It was like very, it ascended to another plane and it was all very logical. It would be one way. Yeah. I, I did appreciate that about this, that when it finally did kind of, kind of get to that point and the switch was flipped that it made sense and that it didn't go over the top with like just either her just like things just going like full Rambo, like bad Rambo, not the, not the first Rambo that's actually good, but the, the Rambo at his worst. And it also didn't like become like one of those, like, I don't know, some sort of, I spit on your grave type movie either, you know, like those weird seventies exploitation almost type movies. Like, you know, it kind of, it stayed logical, it stayed real, and it didn't go over the top. Yeah. But it still had, like, kind of this... There's not a scene where she, like, starts up a chainsaw and, like, takes the guy out. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and just is magically topless or something, you know, <laughs> or whatever they do. Um, and so I did appreciate that they kind of held to... And I think that's kind of what the movie... The movie was trying to be real and grounded, but I also think that's what made it really bleak. Considering we're kind of in, we're not there yet in reality, but there is, like I said, if you watch Community, you know, every time somebody's going to make like a big choice in Community, Abed's always like, well, now you've created multiple timelines and there's going to be a dark timeline. I feel like uh, this movie is what our dark timeline <laughs> Oh, is our dark timeline. You know, and I think what made it even weirder was that this movie is taking place in South Dakota. Uh, I would be curious, you know, like, you know, Dakota, you were saying you felt a lot of, there was a couple different video games you felt like this movie almost felt like. Do you think that was unintentional, I wonder? Um, Because, I mean, girls play video games, obviously, and this was written by the actress who starred in it. I almost want to say it was, uh, you know, from one I brought up was Fallout, you know, where uh, Fallout, you have the Raiders and... In that game, you also, a lot of people just tend to pick up, like, these weapons you don't need. Like, every sawed-off shotgun you come across, you're like, oh, got to add it to the inventory. Yeah, it's hilarious. There's a scene in this movie where I told Dakota, I'm like, you know, this is why video games have to be first person. (laughs) Because when you see how much she's having to carry in backpacks and stuff, it's like, just think how ridiculous you would look in third person on a video game because of... When you go through your inventory, it's you're, sometimes you are like, how am I carrying all this stuff? Well, you'd look like how she looked in the one scene of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another another kind of I've, game I felt was an inspiration was The Last of Us 2. And in Last of Us 2, you have these monsters that are running around. Um, but it's really not the monsters you're afraid of. It's other people. And I guess you brought up that The Walking Dead also does that. Uh, you know, the zombies are almost at this point just an afterthought yeah especially when you get into like the third season on in walking dead it's almost like it's more like you're more worried about people like what other people are going to do to you than the zombies like the zombies have become just like this thing that gets in your way sometimes (laughs) i i think that maybe this is not a great comparison totally but another I feel you have to do a little bit of comparison. So I'm going to use the Babadook. Oh, okay. Because that was kind of like a, that was a first time director, writer, and, uh, you know, it was 
done by women, you know, directed by a woman like this movie was and, and, uh, really from a woman's point of view. And, uh, now when I look at this movie, this movie wasn't as strong as Babadook, but I think there is something here. You like where these people should not give, I mean, my opinion means nothing really at the end of the day, but what I'm saying is that I, I think they have more to they have more to give, and I think she should keep going. This is this isn't this isn't a terrible uh, freshman movie. <laughs> well, Steven, <laughs> I guess it just I don't think your review is going to be on the box art for this no. movie. I mean, <laughs> it's just on the front. It wasn't the worst <laughs> freshman movie I've seen. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm I uh, I oddly enough like this movie and it was it doesn't feel like this is coming from inexperienced filmmakers. Um the Yeah, cam- and well, and I I mean she's probably done other things. This is probably just the biggest yeah. thing she's done. But uh the camera angles, I uh, I brought up to you the score, very minimalistic score but very effective. Yeah, it had a lot, a lot good things for it. Very haunting. You know, small movies like this, uh, I think sometimes the cinematography is kind of crappy, especially when they do that thing where the the camera shakes, like, too much. Like, like you're almost like a person there watching these people in their lives. Yeah. Um, I kind of hate that, but in this movie, it just just seemed natural. Yeah. Yeah. can't really fault any performances here. The, the guy that played the dad, oh uh, man, that's he's the stuff nightmares are made of, ladies uh, and gents and Klingons. Yeah, he w- and that was the other thing I appreciated too is that he was an absolute jerk. In but like jerk isn't even a strong enough word, but he was never over the top. Like, everything he did was, like, even when it was maybe, like, whoa, it was, like, it still never, like, felt out of character or, like, like I said, over the top, I guess it would be. What? And it made it it made it made frightening how real he seemed in some of those capacities. It is, it is kind of unsettling on top of everything where there's those moments where he almost seems like he loves his daughter. Yeah. That was interesting, too, where there were, yeah, I know what you mean. There were these few moments where it was like, oh, yeah, he is the dad. And then you have to remind yourself, like, yeah, but he's terrible. (laughs) It's a very psychotic version of tough parental love, I feel. Yeah, and... uh, Because there there is, I'm not going to say what it is, but there is a moment where uh, our protagonist is in is in a bit of a pickle and he does kind of essentially help her out. And it was like, so almost, almost like touching in a way. Yeah. But kind of unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, Oh man, there's, there's a lot going on in this movie and I was not expecting it from this movie. Um, one, um, I really don't want to do this. I want to bring it up. It comes at night. I was so intrigued by It Comes at Night, and I watched it, and I think within the first like half hour, I knew basically how things were going to end. Mm. With this movie, I did not get that at all. It, it really did kind of 
keep me keep my attention attention focused on the screen. Yeah, I definitely you definitely keep involved. I think I finally have a better <laughs> comparison. <laughs> uh Ladies and gentlemen, the artist <laughs> at his work. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> okay. His first movie following is 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 not his it's a it's an interesting movie like this one. It's very intriguing, kind of unnerving, a little you know, you're trying to understand because this guy just follows people and then he gets caught up in their lives. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Dakota. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I started it so many times and then fell asleep. So yeah, and I've seen 10 minutes of it, maybe. Yeah, and it's kind of like this movie, but not. It's like this movie in the sense of like really just kind of moves. But at the same time, you're seeing that it, it was another good example of like, okay, this guy has a lot more to give. And I think we're kind of seeing that here is just like, I think these people are going to make better movies. Yeah. But, and I think this is a great jumping off point to show that they have, they have something because you, like you're talking about, it's like the way they use the camera, the way that they even, whoever it was, the director or, or just the way they just trained these people into these roles that they just felt so kind of believable and realistic. And then, like you said, the way they were able to kind of use the music on top of that, it was like, okay, all these things are working where I don't think this is going to be the last time we necessarily hear these people's name, these people's names. Uh, Charlie, man, what was her name? I looked Charlie Bueller, I think was the name of the director. Yeah. And then, um, she, oh, I cannot remember the name of the lead actress and the writer. Jenna Ling. All I can think of is her middle name looked like Lying. Yeah, it was like Ling, Jenna Ling. Boy, we're really bad at this. Folks, you're getting what you're paying for, okay? <laughs> I never promised you yeah, Roger Ebert-style reviews. Steven may have, but I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Charlie Bueller was uh, the director, and then Jenna Ling Adams was the writer and star. And she... I wasn't sure what to think about her at first um, in the movie. And then as the movie went on, she was she was really good, uh, Jenna Ling Adams. I thought she was really good in this movie because yeah. she was – well, she's very pretty, very, very pretty. And so – She's more than just a face, Stephen. Come on. No, but what I'm saying is – so she was believable as being like, oh, okay, she's making it as a star of a TV show in L.A. is what she's you know what she's supposed to be on this She-Wolf show. Well, that made sense because you would put a very pretty girl like that <laughs> – uh, in your show, but then when uh, you get back, you know when when uh, you get into the more like everything falling apart, she's still believable. This is what I'm getting at, Dakota. She wasn't just a pretty face, but that uh, she she was the one who had to carry you through the whole movie. And then even though I thought there were parts that kind of plotted, and I'm like, okay, are we gonna get there? She was always great, and yeah. on, honestly, even. Um, pretty much everybody around her was too. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, they must've done a good job picking the actors, but also this director, Charlie Bueller. I mean, I think she may, she must just have an eye for, for getting the shots and getting things out of people where it just kind of reminded me of, uh, 
you know, some other movies where you see early on directors where you're like, oh, man, I think they're going to be going places, you know, like like James Wan. You know, we've talked about him on the show before. It's just like, oh, this guy's, I think, got something here. And, and even when he did Dead Silence after, like, the <laughs> Saw movies or whatever, and it's kind of like a dumb horror movie, it still scared the jeepers out of you. you know? And, uh, yeah, cause just because he was so good at getting the shots and uh and things like that and so yeah i that does it does kind of get you excited on that level even if this isn't maybe my favorite my favorite movie <laughs> or whatever i did appreciate a lot of that so i have i have a question for you uh before we started watching this i asked you what because you said you had seen part of the trailer uh what is the vibe you get from the trailer for this movie like what is it like is it a horror movie the trailer made it seem like it was the trailer actually for the most part maybe just kind of told me too much about the movie you know i think it just kind of gave away too many of the plot points the trailer just kind of told me maybe a little too much but it's hard because you got to sell your movie (laughs) yeah but yeah, so I think with that being said, Dakota, this is this is right now um, probably the easiest way to see it, unless you happen to live in a place that has a theater open and is carrying this. Is VOD? Sorry, video on demand. If you don't know what that means, most people I think do now. What do you think about that? What do you? What do you? What's your recommendation? Do you think people should check this out? Uh, I think they should. It's not. I mean, it's not as expensive as Milan's gonna be. I mean, it's no, pretty, no. It's more of a. It's pretty. I think it's a pretty decent film. Uh, and you know, anyone that has any regrets, uh, that's on you, bro. Yeah, and and I mean that's the thing. I I don't like hate that I watched it or anything. Like uh, like I think if you if you kind of go in just being like, oh, I'm just kind of. I'm ready to just kind of watch, like, maybe just uh, kind of more. Because this movie's kind of more of just, like, someone's journey type movie, you know. And so I think if you go in just kind of knowing, like, oh, I'm just going to kind of go on this journey with the characters. And I'm not expecting some blue sky beam at the end, you know, with 20-minute action scenes or something. You know, if you're going in for kind of a quieter movie. This one isn't This one isn't a bad one to check out. It, it, is, it does get bleak. I mean, obviously, um, and so know that, but I think that's a little obvious just if you read what the movie's about, um, since the movie says, uh, talking about a global pandemic going on and her having her past come back, you know, I mean, those things are usually things that lead to bleakness. So I think, if you know, those things, um, you know, like we said, you know, for both of us to watch it, you know, it was cheaper than going out to a movie even, you know, and oh, so... Yeah. I don't know. In a weird way, these movies, uh, these kind of smaller movies, in a way, cleanse the palate. I feel. Yeah, definitely. And I brought this up with the lodge and the assistant. Um, but yeah, it's. I think in a way, it's kind of good that you know we still have these movies. Uh, on the recommendation of uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, I was kind of going back and watching the Transformers movies. Oh, God, yeah. They've been doing those in Caravan of Garbage, haven't and, they? And, oh, they are so bad. Yeah. I was really into that first one when I came out. And it's just yeah. like, I'm looking at myself from that year it came out and just shaking my head. Yeah, like, same. You, f- you fool. You fool. Uh, I, I, 
I actually have only seen the first two Transformers. I pulled out quicker than a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I still have not seen The Last Night, and I don't think I will. <laughs> and that's because I had heard I had heard the rumors that it was uh, actually like a fantasy, uh, just a kind of fantasy script that someone was like, we could turn this into a Transformers script. Yeah, well, it sounds like they had an idea for doing a Transformers Arthur thing, and they had an idea for doing a different type of Transformers movie, and they just shoved them together into the last night, and it just made a big mess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you're right in a lot of ways, is that uh, when you find a good kind of quieter movie like this, where it's just like a sim- like I hate to say simple, but like more of just kind of a, a quieter story, I guess, um, that is kind of a nice change of pace from just the relentless flashes of some movies. Yeah, I know um I know one guy who right now is going through uh phase 1 of the Marvel movies and it's like oh man, if I if I did that, I I definitely need a palate cleanser too at the end of it. And it just yeah. you know, I think I think those movies with all the the thrills and the the action set pieces, it kind of numbs you to them a little bit. Yeah, it was I mean, and even with, uh, you know, and it isn't even just Marvel, you know, it's uh, Star Wars and DC and, you know, all these things. And then whatever the other studios come up with to try to keep up with the Joneses on on the Star Wars and Marvels and DCs. And so, yeah, and I think, you know, with the future of cinema kind of in limbo and I don't know, like that, it, I can't decide if that in some ways is a good or bad thing for these type of movies. Like, well, because I know people are like, well, these places, if, if theaters close, how will, where will the little movies go? And it's like, well, there's so many streaming services. I guess they try to get sold to a streaming service, but is is that good or bad? Because then they get lost in the library of everything. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess you just hope your movie is interesting enough where it gets pros, you know, like, proselytized by people telling you to see it but as far as before the fire goes i mean it's definitely an interesting movie and i think it it goes a a different direction than maybe you would expect it to go and that isn't always a bad thing i think there's a lot of good here i just think you have to realize going into it that uh it's gonna feel a little too real a little (laughs) at least it did to me where i was like oh it's so bleak (laughs) you know and just keep thinking about the reality around you getting like that, but hopefully this movie isn't totally like more. There's more people that uh, attempt to help than hinder. <laughs> so I don't know. So although in this movie, who knows? Maybe just everybody was just coughing and dying from the flu or something. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess there's always that option too. So sounds like fun, huh? But yeah, so. Um, yeah, so we're, we're both giving, you know, especially if you know what you're getting into, uh, check it out to this movie. It's, I think it's on most kind of rental services. Uh, we watched it through Vudu, but you could probably, I'm sure it's on like prime and places like that to rent. Um, so, or maybe like I said, maybe it's in your, if your local theater's open. Um, yeah, so I think with that, we'll close out this review. We thank you for listening to our review of Before the Fire, and we hope you go like us on Facebook or subscribe to us in all those places, YouTube, iTunes, all that. 
you know, and make sure you do that before everything uh, falls apart in the world because we need your likes uh, before <laughs> everything falls apart. <laughs> I was kidding. But we, just, do, we do would like you to do that because then uh, it helps you keep up with us. And if you like us on Facebook, we're always putting dumb stuff on there. Probably we, too much dumb stuff, but what do you do? We want to feel accomplished before the world goes the, <laughs> yeah. down the toilet, okay? <laughs> before the world falls apart, I want to be like, yes, I made something of myself on the internet. <laughs> no, we just do this for fun. And so hopefully you're having fun too. And that's why we tell you to go like us on Facebook because we try to just put fun stuff there. Um, and then obviously the subscriptions just help us uh, look cool by having people subscribe to us. But then also it allows you to keep up with us. So thanks for listening to this review. We'll catch you next time. This is Steven. This is Dakota. See you later. Later.